Welcome into, dare I say, a whole home edition of Sportball. Nothing special about this one. You know, if the kids are, if if you put the kids to bed already, put yourself to bed. Do, this, do yourselves a favor and just turn off this podcast. Um, that being said, we are going to hit two sports today. And they're exactly the ones you think we're going to hit. NBA and NFL, baby. We're in full swing. So we're going to hit on the first two weeks of the NBA and then a little NFL midseason awards at the end to get the listeners going. How are we feeling, boys? You excited? I'm feeling great. I'm uh, fueling up on Chipotle mid-podcast, mm-hmm. so never felt better. Wow. I love Chipotle. I also I got double jab today, so I'm, this is my flu game pod. I said flu and COVID? Yeah, I said make a cocktail vaccine to my body, please. And that's what they did. Do you go one in each arm or both in one arm? I asked the lady and I was like, what do you think? And she's like, me personally, I'd want just one sore arm. So I said, said, all right, just hit me up in the left. And then I ended up. Yeah, it was fine. I played a basketball today. Well, I woke up feeling terrible. And then by the end of the day, I was fine. Mm. That's a lesson, kids. Uh, All right, let's do NBA first, shall we? We shall. I had to call this the two-week or two-week check-in. No. Excuse me. Nice. You like that, Kyle? It's pretty descriptive. <laughs> uh, I asked you guys to give me a couple of things you believe in and things you don't believe in from the first two weeks. Because every year, the first two weeks happen, and we freak out about stuff. Like last year, the Kings were 0-4 or 0-5, whatever it might be. The Pelicans were in first. It was completely late. The, remember how bad the Lakers were? <laughs> they ended up in the were, Western Conference Finals. Yeah, but they were that bad pretty much for half the season until post-All-Star right. break. Right. So that's why I want to check in and see things you, things you actually believe in that's going to continue and things that are just a two-week farce. So, Seth, I've been told that you did your homework, so I want to start with you, really test you. What's one thing that you believe in from these first two weeks of the NBA? One thing that I believe in, which is really just an excuse to talk about maybe the greatest day of my life, is that the Minnesota Timberwolves will be a top four seed in the West. Oh, my God. I literally have those exact words written down. For you believe or you don't? (laughs) For I do. I said the T-Wolves will get a top four seed. Great minds, baby. You give the case first. I didn't have those exact words, but they were one of my teams as well. (laughs) Great. Let's dive into the T-Wolves. I mean, we all love Ant. He is unstoppable, as evidenced by his absolute takeover in overtime against my beloved Celtics, which I witnessed in person after catching an autographed Vikings football and getting booed by the entire stadium um (laughs) i think they figured out something with their three bigs and their rotation gobert has been playing more like his jazz self than his timberwolf self from last year so their defense is suddenly good and cat hasn't even shot the ball well at all and they're still like only have two losses and they've beaten the two best teams in the league. So I think that's pretty encouraging. 
their defense between Gobert, McDaniels, and Ant is elite. And they've got some solid players off the bench too. So I don't know. I like them a lot. We'll see if that will translate to playoff wins for them. I think that's still up in the air just with the way um, the way defense changes in the playoffs and having players who are, are not a threat on offense can be tough. But I think regular season, if they stay healthy, they're going to be a top four seed for sure. Yeah, it feels like Ant has arrived. Um, 28-6-5 on 51-43-82 shooting. And like you said, Seth, it's on both ends, right? I almost feel like he's one of the best one-on-one defenders in the NBA, like in clutch time I think situations. That it, their backcourt is so suffocating with him and uh, McDaniel's, it's outrageous. We saw it against in that Boston game. What they did together was insane. And we saw it last year. Remember when they locked up uh, Luca and Kyrie on the last yeah, possession of that Mavs yeah. game, which forced them to tank the rest of the season and not make the playoffs. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's almost as if you have, like, two apex wings against the T-Wolves. It's not as big of an advantage as it would be against other teams, uh, which Boston found out the other day. Um, if they trade Cat, forget about top four seed. You're looking at four championships. Okay, get that man off the team. This man's at 17-8-2 and two, at 42-31-86. from three, and he's the greatest shooting big man of all time. Regression is uh, coming, which means they're just going to get better. Nas Reed is yeah. has almost identical stats to him this year, and he's playing like eight to ten less minutes a game. <laughs> he's literally tell you, nine less minutes and has the same stats. That was a takeaway for me that you wouldn't necessarily know from watching the game was just how much of a fan favorite Nas Reed was. Nas mm-hmm. is that boy. Every time he's he a, he's a game, stogie boy OG. The crowd went wild. Hell yeah. He made a three in like the first quarter. Like relatively inconsequential shot and it was just like it exploded everyone was just out of their minds excited that he made a three so Dude, right now Nasrid is just better than cat it's just it's just as simple as that oh i've been saying this i've finally it's come around news. yeah as you do or years later you finally are right now kyle but hey i definitely I just, am not a maybe cat i just guy. speak I things into existence <laughs> i don't know i mean we didn't really get a full season with Cat last year. And like you said, as much as I hate Rudy Gobert, he looks back to the defensive player that we've expected him to be when he was traded to the team. Like his uh, his offensive rating has stayed pretty consistent over his career at right, 110 to 112 or whatever. So it, that's the same. But he's got a defensive rating now under 100 with a net rating of almost 13. So that's been huge for their defense too inside. Like I feel like he's not getting bodied as much as I feel like he was last year when we were watching these games. And then I, I think ever since the the summer watching Ant with the U.S. team, uh, I think we're really in for the Ant breakout year into like the superstardom category. Um, yeah, I think this team's going to be really dangerous come playoff time. I think they're dangerous now. Obviously, they've taken they've been the giant killers, right? So far, yeah, they can hang with anyone. I mean, Easily. they've been taking down the the Nuggies and the Celtics. There's, there's the something about the Ant's mindset. Uh, like, I would not want to go against him in the playoffs this upcoming year. Something just seems different. Like he's always been yeah. super like ferocious, 
but like he seems like he's got a major fuck you attitude this year. It's too bad that one of his teammates is the dumbest players in the league and plays terrible every playoffs. He's already followed. Cat has already followed out of two games already. We've only had like seven. <laughs> I would. I'm not gonna lie. The Bulls suck, and I'm done with them. If I hadn't been an OKC fan essentially for the last five years, I'd claim Minnesota as my team. They I'd have Rudy it. Gobert. Yeah, I know. He would be like the redheaded stepchild, though. He'd get no love. What about the team that actually has a redheaded stepchild, the Kings? They have Kevin Herter. Yeah, he sucks. He turned it around yeah, kind really of bad. kind of last game in the scoring front, but ooh, but that's tough too, because then I there's also the Pacers. That's all right. I'm gonna be hanging out on the Pacers in one of my other points. Don't you worry about that. I'm sure it's part uh, two. Kyle. Yeah. Can I read Nas Reed's shooting splits to you? You act like I don't read these before I go to bed every night, but please <laughs> recite them to me now. <laughs> 55, 44, 93. He might start the 55, 45, 95 club. He might I just mean, do it. Can I bet on it? <laughs> Is that one of the things that you believe will continue? 55, 45, 95 from Nas Reed? I don't see why not. I mean, he's the greatest player in the NBA. Good point. Um, okay, any more any more T Wolves that we didn't hit? We love them. I think I think there's um I don't know how much of a hot take this is because honestly there were quite a few projection systems that had them finishing first in the West this year and we kind of scoffed at it. But I don't think it's that crazy anymore, especially looking at their strength of schedule. They yeah. have like the fourth easiest strength of schedule. Obviously, we're still very early, and that updates based on how other teams are doing. So but at this point in the season, after what we've seen, they're already clicking. Uh, you would think that they just get better. So I think there's a there's a good chance they they could finish in that first spot. Especially now, obviously we know what Jokic could do, right, just by himself. But Jamal is out for at least the rest of the month here. That's true. I, I haven't looked to see what their schedule looks like to see if they really have any tough games anyways. But I'm looking at it now. They play the Bulls on December 12th. That's a loss. Jesus. That's probably when <laughs> Jamal Murray comes back, actually. I think the Bulls have a really nice giveaway that night, though, because I've I looked at getting tickets to that game. <laughs> <laughs> we got to give the fans something since we're so bad. Uh, okay. I'm going to go on to my next I believe in, or whatever we're calling this segment. Um, This probably isn't even that hot to take, but I believe that Tyrese Halliburton is the best point guard in the league. I'm saying pure point guard. I'm not counting staff, I guess, is the cheating part. I'm of glad this. you brought this up because <laughs> I had to omit something. And that was one of the ones that I was tangling or uh, debating, keeping or, or not. So I'm glad you said it. So I didn't have to use <clears throat> one of mine. Yeah, I kind of discounted Stefan Luca because I don't think of them as point guards. So that's kind of cheating. But he's like kind of like the new Chris Paul. You know what I mean? Where he's like the new point god almost in the mm. league, taking over that throne. Uh, he's so who 20... are the other eligible pure point guards according to that <clears throat> classification? Well, it's a dying breed, isn't it? It in is. The NBA. Um, Jamal, I would say probably, especially this year, Jamal has been like, he's had like 12 assists uh, on any given night. Um, I'm just going to maybe, maybe uh, Josh Giddy. He's kind of a point forward. 
So essentially what you're saying is Tyrese Halliburton is better than Josh Giddy. <laughs> I've gone through two teams. I'm just looking at the standings right now. Fred Van Vliet would be one, I'd say. Uh, CJ McCollum is now, maybe? Darren no. Fox? Darren, probably. I didn't really think about this statement at all when I wrote it. I just thought it would be like one of those things that isn't no one would challenge me on whatsoever. Does he know? I mean, what kind I, of podcast I think, is <laughs> I think it's a true statement. It's just a matter of, like you said, is it not bold at all? Because if you're just calling it pure point guard and it's a dying breed and all the best point guards aren't really that pure, then it's not really saying anything. Maybe it's like Which, he's like the last pure point guard in the league. You know what I mean? That's probably a better yeah. statement. He took over from the reins from Chris Paul. He's averaging 23 and 12. 12 assists leads the league. 50-40-90. Yeah, 50-40-90. I didn't look after today's game, but he went off again. 27 PAR. Um, Goes off every, every game. <laughs> he really does. And he can make any pass. Uh, his step back three has become a huge weapon, which kind of opens up everything else for them. And if the Pacers try to play a lick of defense, I think they can get a top four seed as well in the in the East. I mean, it's going to be tougher for them. But what the hell do the Pacers have to do with this? What do you mean? You're just talking about Tyrese Maxey. Why are you talking about the Pacers now? <laughs> Did I say Tyrese Maxey at first? Yeah. No, you said Halliburton the whole time. I thought. Okay. Good. I swear I heard Maxey. <laughs> well, I love Tyrese Maxey as well, but <laughs> my point was about Tyrese Halliburton. Oh, I'm okay. I agree on both fronts. <laughs> How wild is it that that conversation could have been interchangeable with two different players named Tyrese? I just feel like Tyrese is more, he's not, has not have the same playmaking as Halliburton. If I'm going for like the, the old school Chris Paul point guard, you know what I mean? Yeah. Let me look at this. Let me add him to this mix here. So, uh, so one thing I was doing was looking at, um, there's this NBA uh, tool called Darko. Right, which is like a, um, like a adjusted and regressed optimized projections to project out like a compare players at different points of their career essentially on a graph. Um, things like baseball and stuff have these projection systems, and there's not really one for NBA. So this guy, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, uh, created this, um. And Maxi, so far in what is this his year twenty three season, his projection so far is greater than like Curry's and Lillard's at that point in their career. Let me toss in Halliburton to this mix, who is younger, right? So we'll see though. I just want to Halliburton's essentially on the same. Well, I think he's maybe a year older. He's twenty four. Him and Maxi show on this same like trajectory, which is comparable to like a uh, a Lillard or a Steph Curry. I tossed Chris Paul in here when you mentioned his name. He started super high, mm-hmm. went super high. He's still higher. Like what is that? Like four deviations higher than league average point guard. <laughs> wow. Uh yeah. Do you think this is the the first time we've had this good of we've had two good Tyrese's in the NBA? <laughs> it's got to be. I can't even think of another Tyrese. Uh, who was he? he? Played for the Kings. Um, or did he play for the Pacers? Are you talking about Tyreek Evans? 
Oh, Tyreek. Halliburton? <laughs> Hall- I knew I was seeing you talking about that. <laughs> okay, let me just finish talking about Halliburton, then you can go to Tyrese Maxey, Kyle, if okay. he's one of your things. Um, Part of my things. The only thing I was going to say is I I lament every day the fact that I wanted the Bulls to take him at four. We took Patrick Williams instead, who was averaging five points per game. on a Relegated to a bench roll. <laughs> no, 23% from – oh, yeah, a bench roll. He barely plays. He's averaging like 20 minutes a game. And he's Didn't shooting he 23% he wanted a from three. Hundred million dollar contract too. No, that was taken out of context. Or is that just an Instagram post? Yeah, it was taken out of context from something that Zach Lowe said. He said something about I wanted uh, the contract to start with a two, and it wasn't twenty million, but that could oh. mean that he wanted twenty five or twenty nine million. <laughs> right. Whatever. Any case. Yeah, he's, he's definitely terrible. not as good as Halford. <laughs> really you think so just another uh, uh chicago team just absolutely fumbling their draft picks but yeah but anyway Seth, do you have any thoughts on halliburton i mean i know you were high on the pacers coming into this year yeah i, I agree with everything you said i think he's a legit i think he's a legit all nba first or second team caliber player um I think it'll just depend on how good is that team right away and his supporting cast and if he has a secondary kind of scorer to rely on. Um, And that'll determine like how for real this Pacers team is. But I think they should feel very good about their future with him as their centerpiece cornerstone. So... And if you think about it, if it's true that the Sixers could have had Tyrese Halliburton for Ben Simmons back in the day, can you Disgusting. imagine? <laughs> we don't really know if Thank that was God. They're yeah. off to, obviously, a hotter start than Sacramento was last year, but I kind of liken what we've seen so far to what Sacramento did last year. Um, right, they have... What are they the, the, high, the best offensive rating in the NBA, but at the same time, they have the uh, what is that fifth worst defensive rating? However, they're still top top ten in net rating in the in the league. So they're yeah, just they're scoring the at an outrageous, outrageous clip. It's I watched uh, that game against Charlotte last week, which was insane to watch Halliburton go off for twenty nine points and eight assists. I think it was in the third quarter alone. The man <laughs> couldn't miss. He controls the game so well at such a fast pace. It's just insane to watch. It's so fun to watch. Yeah, he's one of my favorite players, honestly. He's he's becoming one of them. Um, and yeah, I think I'm very excited for the Pacers future. Kyle, hit us with your Tyrese Maxey thoughts, if that's what you'd like to hit on next. Yeah, uh, so I told you I was kind of between a couple of things here. And I wanted to talk about OKC, as I always do. But I figured... People have heard that enough. It's time we talk about the Sixers. And I believe that they have uh, they have a shot at the first seed in the East. But I also think they've kind of, even just over the first two weeks in the season, already cemented themselves as one of the – well, we knew they were going to be a good team, right? I think we had some questions. I don't remember where we all, where we all ranked them, though. Uh, I don't think we all had them like definitively top three. 
Uh, no, I think we all had him at like six or something. We didn't right. know what was going to happen with Harden. Yeah, I, they definitely, I think, cemented themselves as one of those top three teams in the East with uh, a sky-high ceiling. Um, the way the team is playing under Nurse uh, is substantial, substantially different uh, and better, obviously, than how they were all playing in previous years and when Harden was running the show. I think Tyrese is obviously we've seen him as you just talked about we talked about two different Tyrese's doing insane things on the basketball court <laughs> uh interchangeably but he's running that show there but they're also kind of letting um Embiid be a little bit more of a creator which has opened up a lot of things um so I think they have a lot of options too right, with all these draft picks that they got, they can make a move this year um, to really try to go all in on Nick Nurse's first year to make a run for the championship. Um, But they also leave themselves open at the same time to if they're comfortable with what they have come trade deadline time. They're going to have everything they need to sign another superstar next year if they want to. So it's like not only have they shown us an immense ceiling over the first two weeks? And again, they've had a pretty easy schedule, but at the same time, they also have like the second or third easiest strength of schedule for the rest of the year too. So um, that game, I think against Boston was really important to see really how they measured up against kind of the elite talent. And they did a great job. They won that game. Right. So um, yeah, I'm just super high now on the Sixers and a set, doesn't like Embiid. I don't really like him that much still, but I love Tyrese Ma- uh, Maxey. And I think if they can upgrade that uh, Ubre spot, I don't think he really deserves to be a starter. <laughs> if they can upgrade that spot uh, before the trade deadline, like, what do you really need? I guess uh, OG's been floated out there, right? Who knows what uh, Toronto's going to do? Um, I feel like they just need to go all in with that rebuild with Scotty. So that would be disgusting on a defensive side, but also OG can handle, create when needed, take, hit threes, finish at the basket, things like that. Like he's a bigger, much better defender than Ubre, And yeah, I think they, they have a good shot at being the one seed by the end of the year. First of all, unless prime Michael Jordan is available, there's no upgrade for Kelly Ubre. <laughs> Secondly, yeah, we haven't really talked about the Harden trade on this pod. And and what it gave the Sixers in return, right, was a bunch of uh, rotation players and a few picks to try to flip for another star like OG Ananobi. So, and I, I, I w- I'm not going to necessarily say they're better without Harden, but they're more, I think they're going to be more prepared for the playoffs. Like, I'll believe it when I see it, where Embiid could take the uh, Philly far in the playoffs. But I like the way Nurse has run this team where everyone's getting involved and it's not yeah. going to be all dependent on Embiid dominating because we've seen him falter in the playoffs before. So if they can lean more on Maxi and on Tobias Harris and the other role players in the playoffs, maybe they can avoid, you know, those heartbreaking losses they've had when they're trying to rely on Embiid. Not just that too. It's like Maxi is comfortable and okay with playing off ball. He doesn't need to be on ball 100% of the time, kind of like we've seen with Harden throughout his entire career. And I don't know if the last couple of years of him being like that sixth man or second, 
fiddle to Harden helped with that, but he's a lot more comfortable playing off ball too and still doing the right things, getting in the right positions instead of just standing in the corner. Yeah. Even if he gets a wide open look, not taking wide open threes, things like that. Uh, I'll tell you what Seth's going to say right now. He's going to say, oh, actually, no, I'm not really worried about Philadelphia. Uh, they don't worry me at all. Embiid sucks. He's going to falter in the playoffs like always, and they're going to lose in the second round. Right, Seth? That's correct. In fact, this is one of my things that I do not believe in. Ooh, interesting. I don't believe that the Sixers are any different than they have been the last five years. I think, I mean, I don't think they're any better. Obviously, they're different. They've got different players. They don't have Harden. Maxi is better. I agree with everything you said about Maxi. I think he's really good. But I feel like every year with the Sixers, there's something that we say, oh, well, this is different, right? When they acquired Harden, replaced Ben Simmons, right? Then it was like, oh, this is the year for the Sixers. And every year they do well in the regular season. I expect they will again this year. And then every year they disappoint in the playoffs because Embiid isn't good enough or he gets injured, which is part of the package with Embiid. And Doc Rivers is a notorious uh, playoff choker. So also remove that from the equation. And obviously they removed James Harden from the equation. So that should help. Two but, chokers gone. One remains. <laughs> I think, Sam, you said it correctly when you said, I'll believe it when I see it. So Yeah. I mean, I like what I've seen so far. I'm not going to trust it. But I'm really excited to see them in the playoffs with, with Nurse because he's such a genius. And just the stepping up of these role players. Because I just, obviously, I kind of knew going to the playoffs last year that Harden couldn't be relied on. This year, I'm open to anything. We'll see. He was a reason that they didn't get swept by the. He's going to tell us he's knew Kyle games. wouldn't be able to resist <laughs> saying that. How dare you? How dare you? Uh, I don't know the word. I could just have a one man podcast and say what you both would say. <laughs> I'd love to see it one week. I'd love for you to do that. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go to things I don't believe in. Ted, did we hit your last thing you believe in? I can't remember. I swear to God, uh, if you say Santa Claus. <laughs> there are kids listening. <laughs> You've told me to go to bed. I think you still have one left, Seth. Yeah. I do have one left. I believe They're that the one. Bucks defense will be a problem for them. Mm. Sure is a Not problem, a problem now. for the rest of the league. Yeah. So I think um obviously we knew that this was gonna be the trade-off of getting Damian Lillard, but we didn't know it was gonna be this bad. And I think it's a combination of the Lillard-Drew switch and also the coaching switch with Adrian Griffin. Now, maybe he's just kind of seeing what they have, experimenting with different things, and eventually they'll figure out a scheme that works. But I think ultimately they're being exposed for some of those holes that they have, which will only become more vulnerable in the playoffs and that'll be a real uh a real thing that teams can attack that they haven't really been able to do with the bucks in the past and you're going to rely on Giannis to be an all 
like a defensive player of the year candidate in the playoffs and have to be scoring 35 a game. And I think that's going to be tough for the Bucks to be able to win, you know, under those conditions, unless it just is like Dame take over every game in the, you know, in the fourth quarter. Yeah. I mean, you saw it in the game against the Pacers today where they just, they lost to the Pacers. No one could stop Tyrese. No they didn't even have the Dame at all. And it probably yeah, would have been easier Dame. if they had him, right? <laughs> yeah, they had campaign on on Tyrese, a better defender than Dame, if anything, and he still got cooked. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's going to be a huge problem. I mean, who's guarding Tatum and Brown in the playoffs? Jake Middleton? Crowder and yeah. Middleton? It's tough. And then Maxi might average Derek White. 38 points against them in the playoffs, dude. <laughs> yeah. Maxi's going to go off against them. <laughs> yeah, that's the real problem is, like, they have some like wings that they can throw at those bigger players, but somebody like Maxi, he's so fast. They got nobody. Maxi is the fastest player in the league, man. He's I mean, nuts. I know he is, but like it just he's no one can stop him. He's too fast. All right. Things I don't believe in. I'll go first. Thanks. <laughs> Let's talk about the other side of the James Harden trade. I do not believe mm. that the Clippers are a contender in the West with James Harden. We okay. probably none of us do, but yes, go ahead. Okay. I feel like the don't believe category now, I mean, you have made it up, so I guess who am I to tell you what the <laughs> parameters of this podcast episode are? But I feel like it was the the spirit of it was meant to be like, things that are happening so far that you don't believe will continue. But the Clippers Listen, haven't even been good so far. That's the I'm gist not... I got too, but I didn't come up with anything anyway. So I, I'd that like is to hear what spirit. Sam has to say. <laughs> that is the spirit of the law, yes. However, I did have a fever when I wrote this. And... Oh, okay. You always have a fever. <laughs> that explains it. And also... Are we also suffering from night blindness? I always am. Also, I just wanted to talk about the Harden trade. So I kind of shoehorned it in here. And that's just good podcast hosting. Look it up. <laughs> so it's also interesting because we saw them play a few times and they were starting, they're starting Russ, Harden, Kawhi, PG, and Zubach. And that lineup just makes absolutely no sense to me on a basketball level, on a deeper level. Like they just don't fit together. <laughs> they don't fit. I feel like none of those pieces fit together at all. There's not enough shooting. There's way too much. There's just, too many, too much ball handling, and not enough shooting, not enough defense. I don't like it. And you know, Kawhi's going to get hurt in the playoffs, and then they're just going to say, "All right, Harden, time to take over," and then he's going to shit the bed like Gillies does. I don't, I don't think see- anybody on that team is giving it to Harden, telling him to take over. <laughs> I just don't foresee them actually being a real threat at all in the West. And I know that some people did after this trade. The man threw a cross-court pass yesterday that landed in the sixth row. <laughs> he threw it to Ian Eagle, and then he caught it. <laughs> Are you guys with me there? I mean, do you give them even like a puncher's chance in the West? Like, what are you thinking after this trade? I, I, I don't think any of us were really ever high on the Clippers at all in the first place. And I mean, why aren't you high on them now, Kyle? I don't like the mix of players together. I never enjoyed watching the Clippers in the first place. For whatever reason, any team Kawhi's on ends up being the most boring team in basketball. So true. But 
like like Sam said, the collection of players together, I don't really know what a good lineup looks like for them. Just based on like, I feel Kawhi wants to have the ball in his hand and just ISO. Paul George wants to just ISO. Harden doesn't want to shoot an open three anymore unless it's a step back. Uh, Zubox is whatever. Who cares? And like, now you have Russ there too. The only person really driving to the rim, and it's a, a circus every time he does it. I don't know what's going to happen. So you replace Russ in that starting lineup with who? Terrence Mann, who for some reason they coveted, like he, like it was, it's the Talon Horton Tucker uh, mm-hmm. situation where it's like the the dude's twenty six, what years old? Almost twenty seven. He's played what a year and a half in the league. And he's been coveted like that, and I don't really understand why. What does he add, though, to that offense or to that either side of the ball if he is the fifth person in? I I just – the whole collection of players doesn't make sense, like Sam said. It's almost like it makes the most sense if someone gets hurt. Like, like, oh, he's insurance when why get hurt. Outrageously expensive insurance policy that you're still not comfortable about. Yeah. Seth, do you echo all this? Yeah, I mean, I I wasn't a fan of the Clippers to begin with, and I don't think James Harden is going to make a good team better. So that's really it for me. Great. That was our Harden coverage. How am I mighty have fallen, both us as a podcast and Harden as a player? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Seth, give us your first thing you don't believe in. Or I guess second, because your first was that the Sixers are good. Yeah, it was indeed. My second is that I do not believe that Dallas has figured out everything with Luca and Kyrie and them coexisting and that everything will just be hunky-dory for them for the rest of the season now. That's a long title for something you don't believe in. That being said, it's also one of mine. That exact title, <laughs> including the hunky dory. Word for word, he has it written down. I just have, I just have Mavs are a title contender written down as something I don't believe in. Mm-hmm. But you go first. You're good at setting me up for these. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Like, I'm never gonna trust Kyrie for a is gonna remain drama free for a full season I think some of the moves that Dallas made and obviously Derek Lively pick has been good for them so I think they will be better than they were last year but ultimately when you're relying on Luka and Kyrie as two like similar to the Clippers conversation it's like two ball dominant players who don't play defense and to some extent, both of them are prone to, I don't know, dramatic issues. It's Kyrie mostly off the court, Luca just complaining to the refs every play, getting technical fouls, all of that. That's just not a safe bet, in my opinion. So I do feel like Luca's changed a bit so far this season, though. I feel like he is trying a little more on defense, and I feel like he's not complaining to the extent as we saw last year where it was literally every play 
And like he got a um he got a technical the other day and didn't he had another one of those funny reactions where he kind of just mocked the ref, but that was it. There was there wasn't any like big to do about the fact that he got teed up, which I feel like and I think sometimes he makes it. Yeah. And I think you you know, you could be right about that. And what I'm saying is I don't believe that will continue. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is like They've been winning. They've had an easy schedule so far. They played like I think they're five and one, and their five wins are against mediocre at best competition. And then they lost to the Nuggets, and so I think it's. <clears throat> I mean, to his credit, like Luca does care a lot about winning, but when they're not winning, that's when he starts complaining to the refs all the time. So, that's what I would expect. Kyrie hasn't even been good this season either. Like he's shooting twenty seven percent from three. Like, I he think he's got some type of like nagging injury is something that I've heard on a few other podcasts. That's just he's trying to play through. Mm, okay, I was just kind of wondering if he's starting to fall off, and like he just might fall off earlier than some other players because he's small and he has to like rely on finishing at an elite level. Also, I was looking at his basketball reference page and. I don't know if we ever talked about this, but one of his nicknames is World Be Flat. (laughs) (laughs) He should put that on the back of his jersey. Officially change his name like Meta World Peace did. (laughs) I would love that. (laughs) Also, where's Seth? Like, he's not not our Seth. right there. (laughs) Where's Seth Curry? He doesn't get, like, any minutes for them, which I don't really understand at all. Is it because maybe they just need everyone who plays to be a great defender? But, like, he's the better Curry brother, Kyle. I don't really understand why he's not getting minutes. There is some type of conspiracy in the NBA that does not <laughs> want Seth Curry to be the face of the Curry family. I'll tell you that right now. Because his Dr. dad Rivers. acknowledged it before. He knows Doc Rivers said he's the best shooter in the family. That's what I'm saying. He's just never got the opportunities, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a little... I'm, I'm questioning how good they're really going to be. They've had a soft schedule. We'll see when it starts to ramp up. Um, Kyle, what mm-hmm. don't you believe in? I don't believe in the fact that Dylan Brooks is a changed NBA player. <laughs> Amen to that. For I real. mean, he looks like a completely different player so far this year. He's not taking 14, 15 shots a game, just outrageous shots either. The man's shooting 57% from the field. Yeah, that 54% from three. Isn't he like leading the league in thirty one percent? Like, I, I'm impressed by Houston so far this year. I really like what Ime's done. They're running a lot of the offense through uh, Shangun, and it looks great. But I just don't believe that Dylan's going to be bought into this for the rest of the season. If they do, if he does, though, the way they look now. They look like they're going to be at, at worst a playing team. Like they're looking good. They just blew out the Lakers. Granted, they didn't have Anthony Davis. But uh, before that, they completely beat up on um, who was that? It was the uh, Kings twice. King, yeah, they destroyed the Kings twice, right? So without Fox again. So maybe without it's. Fox those are still like high profile teams that we expect, right? So, yeah, I mean, 
maybe we check into this in another 15 games and see how the experiment's going. And if he's still on the same pace, obviously that shooting is going to come down. If that shooting percentage comes down, do we see him then increase the number and try to make up for that in volume? Because if that's Mm -hmm. the case, that's not good. That has been his calling card. (laughs) I, you know, it's not unreasonable to think that like none of us really predicted this, but it's not unreasonable to think that Ime Adoka could turn this team around in one year to like, a respectable 10 seed. No, I think we all had kind of pretty high regards to their talent mm-hmm. that they have. At least I do. And they still don't have Tari Eason back, right? Who right. should be huge for them off the bench. Um, yeah, they've looked really good, surprisingly. Van Vliet's not turning it over seven times a game either somehow. And I assume that has to do with the fact that they're playing so much through Alperin. Who's look, he's looked so good. It's crazy. Oh, it looks like Tari Eason came back. He just started. He made his debut. Just, uh, okay. I thought game. I heard something that he might be coming back soon, so he made that nice. They're, like, so deep with, like, good young players, and you just don't know what they're going to turn out to be, you know? Yeah, Eason had 9, 9, and 2 in 14 minutes off the bench. <laughs> he's like, um, you know what? He's like Nas Reed, kind of. I was going to say, it was funny you said that. With better defense. Cat. I was going to say, Cat could never put up those numbers. Sad, <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have anything on the Rockets before we move on to Kyle's last don't believe? I do not, but thanks for asking. I think we You're go welcome. to you for your last don't believe. Well, and come back to me. had the same one. Oh, good. Let's talk about it. I, well, it was the Mavs. We already talked about it. Oh, that <laughs> so, was yours. Too. I just realized okay, I've written I down you. here, honorable no- nomination, the Sixers are better without Harden. It's something I don't believe in, and yet Kyle swayed me within two minutes of monologuing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the hype train, baby. <laughs> yeah, love to have you here. All right, give us what your, else? Give us what you don't believe in. Um. Oh, let me look at this real quick. Um. He didn't come up. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't believe that the Cavs are a bottom half to bottom third Eastern Conference mm-hmm. team. I thought about that one as well. Um. They've definitely had a rough go of it, though. They're, what, three and five so far this year. Two losses to OKC, as expected, I guess. Uh, Lost to the Pacers not too long ago as well. Uh, Just had some – they've also started the season right without Allen, who is back now. Uh, Garland without him as well. So I think we're going to ramp some things up. But again, I will say I wasn't as high on them this year anyways coming in. But I still had them in the playoff mix. Um, so I definitely think they're still a playoff mix team. Better than a play-in team. But what they've put on the court necessarily doesn't reflect that. However, Donnie has looked outstanding so far. Yeah, I think a big problem was didn't Darius Garland miss a bunch of games? Yeah, I think he's only he's... played like two games so far now. The last two he's been back. Yeah, he's so critical to them. I love Darius. He's another pure point guard, actually, that I like really like watching. Yeah. Um, can we have a little Evan Mobley conversation here? Because I became a little disenchanted with thinking that he has the offensive ceiling I previously did. Like, it's funny because I watched Ted Holmgren, and I'm like, okay, he's already way better than Evan Mobley. It's outrageous. <laughs> like, it's dude. not even a question. And I feel like Chad has the same defensive upside, too. So I just thought, I think Chad is kind of what I thought Evan would be. Like, the three-point has not come around at all. He's shooting 20% from three this year. And if he's not going to do that, attempt a game. 
Yeah, and if he's not going to be a good shooter, he's not going to really bully anyone down low with any sort of consistency. I'm just not really sure what he is offensively, despite being as elite as he is defensively. I'm with you there. And like I said, that was kind of my thing coming into the season, right, was like I I felt like they were going to underperform expectations just due to the fact that they have a lot of experimenting I think they need to do. And a lot of that revolves around Mobley, obviously. And like you said, it's not, uh, I mean, he's averaging 15 and 11, but still, it just doesn't look like it's all there still. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like a lot of, if the Cavs were projecting themselves to be a top three seed, a lot of that was based on an Evan Mobley leap that isn't happening. Um all right, that's it for the NBA then, huh? That's it. I think that wraps it up. All right, let's hit the NFL real quick. We've reached the midseason of the NFL. Interesting narratives going on right now. I want to do a little NFL midseason awards, but not the actual ones they vote on. Because you know I need the MVP. So first one I want to hit is the most disappointing team at the midway point. I had the Chargers put down for mine. Mm. The Chargers. No, I, I had the Chargers as well. The Chargers. All right. I'll, Didn't you I'll not even you pick them to make the playoffs, Sam? Yeah. And they're so somehow you really even disappointing. Just they're just disappointing me even more than I thought they would. I didn't pick them to make the playoffs. That's correct. I just hate them. <laughs> like, can we start having like the, the Justin Herbert conversation too? I know it he's good. Time. Like, I know he throws really good, and that's great and all. But can I see him win a close game? Can I see him elevate his team to more than the surrounding parts? Can I see him take a mediocre coach on his back and ride him to the playoffs? Because I haven't seen any of that yet. No. I'm in 100% in agreement. Four and four halfway through the season. It's just like uninspiring to Keenan's having a a baller season, Mm -hmm. but that's about it. And, you know, you'd expect a, what we think I feel like are perceived as a top tier young quarterback to be able to also elevate the playmakers around him. We see it, obviously Patrick Mahomes is just in a different dimension, but we see it in Kansas city, right? They don't have a true one wide receiver anymore. But they're still winning. They're still putting up numbers. They have Kelsey to rely on. I feel like you could kind of say, well, the Chargers have Keenan to rely on. They have Austin Eckler, too. And yet, it it just seems like they're a middling team for the most part. Obviously, they're 500. So, yeah, very disappointing from them so far. I don't really know. Now they got so many injuries, too. They lost Mike early on. Now Josh Palmer's out. They don't seem to trust or they've come to the realization that their first round draft pick, Quentin Johnston, who I've been pounding the table on saying he sucks ass. They're realizing he does, in fact, suck ass. They're not even Quentin getting him Johnson the ball. His booty cheeks and he's not bouncing them. <laughs> yeah. Fuck the I don't know if they make the playoffs. I don't think they make the playoffs. I hope they don't. I hope they disband. You're right. I don't really want to have to watch that. <laughs> Uh, Seth, who you got as your most disappointing team? I had the Bills for this one. Great pick. Thank you. 
when you look at their schedule, uh, you know, so far this season, they really have one good win. They beat the Dolphins 48 to 20. Um, but we've also seen, you know, the Dolphins definitely have some vulnerabilities. So that's not looking like as good a win now as it did at the time. And they have lost to the Jets week one. Uh, the Patriots, who are just an <laughs> abomination. The Bengals and the Jaguars. Now, yeah, so they really just haven't beat any good teams except for Miami, and they've lost to a bunch of teams they should beat. They almost um, lost to the Giants. Almost lost to the Giants, another abomination. <laughs> just feels like they're not they're not living up to the hype, not living up to their potential. Um not using their weapons, I think, effectively and efficiently. And Josh Allen just hasn't been as good as he has been in, in previous years. Um, so I don't think it's like it's over for them this season. I think they still have time and room and enough talent on the roster to turn it around and make a late playoff run. But they've been pretty disappointing early in the season so far. See, I'm going to kind of refute the offensive side of the ball. I think they've been good on offense still this year. Um, Steph Diggs uh, had a couple game crazy run. He's still putting up great numbers as a wide receiver one. Josh Allen still looks good to me, and he's starting to defer more to his legs than I think we saw earlier in the season. Yet his running is down compared to his uh career averages right but i think that's also um partly due to the fact that they've been trying to get james cook going and i just don't know if he has that build to be a typical running back that can support running through the tackles um the most worrisome part is their defense in my opinion mm-hmm. like they started off the year I think third through the first four weeks of the season in defensive and DVOA. But the last four weeks, they are the absolute stone worst defense in terms of DVOA in the league. And when you look at who they played their last four weeks, it's not like they played a bunch of juggernauts that put up crazy points. They've played the Bucks, the Patriots, the Giants, and the Jags over the last four weeks. And their defense against those teams is last in the league. They're giving up explosive plays at an insane rate, which are plays 15 yards or more from the line of scrimmage. It's like, I don't know what happened to this defense, but it's completely fallen off the map. And that's that's the worrisome part to me when it comes, you know, the rest of the season, especially playoff time. They gave up 29 points to the Patriots. I mean, you should just disband your team after doing that that's disgusting and i think i think they take a lot of injuries mac, right they lose they lose for davis white again yeah i was gonna and, say mac jones looked like a michelin uh the three-star <laughs> michelin chef against them just slicing them slicing them up uh and von miller seems to be either working back from injury still or kind of just over the hill so they don't have like that great of a pass rush presence right now i just 
I think the biggest problem on offense on the offensive side of the ball is they just seem to abandon the run game so quickly. Like James Cook is good. And they're like, hey, why don't we if we give you like eight carries in the first couple quarters, and they don't work. We're just not going to run at all in the second half. That's what it's He's averaging like. 4.7 yards per carry. And he has yeah. one touchdown on the year. <laughs> it's honestly despicable. So I'm worried about them. They're out of the playoffs right now. And mm-hmm. we'll see if they sneak their way back in. Uh, most disappointing player. I had one written down here, but I think I'm going to go with a different one because I don't want to hear Kyle yell at me. So I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Kenny Pickett instead because hmm. I'd like to know who you're going to say, because Kenny Pickett was on my short list as well. I'll tell you who I was going to say if you, if you're good, uh, Kenny Pickett this off season, I was talked to as if he was Joe Montana, but turns out he's not even Brock Purdy. I mean, this guy <laughs> sucks. <laughs> Every catch that George Pickens makes feels like a miracle. Like, it's like, oh, my God, they got the ball to George Pickens? That's insane, even though he's, like, one of the best receivers in the league. And uh, I don't know. He's never a very good arm, and, like, he's just not very good. And I just – I thought the Steelers – of course, I'm saying this, and the Steelers are 5-3 and three and in fifth, like, right where I had them. It's the classic position. Steelers, though. <laughs> I know. I just thought it would look a little easier. I just – I can't – C.J. Really Stroud has – eight career NFL games and has now thrown more touchdown passes than Kenny Pickett has in his career. And he has like 18 games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's not very good at football, unfortunately. And he has small hands. That's the thing. That might be they're, like, they're like three times bigger than mine. And they're still the smallest hands in the NFL. Hot seat for Kenny's small hands. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's been pretty good. I got, I'll, I'll tell you what my other one was. It was Derek Carr. And you're going to say you shouldn't be disappointed in him because he sucks anyway, and you should have expected that. So I didn't want to have that whole conversation. Thank you for not uh, forcing us into having that conversation. Seth, who's your most disappointed player so far? Yeah, I think it's this is a hard one to come up with because I I think so much about like Mm fantasy-wise, which is not really what we're talking about, I think. Kind of relates, though. Yeah, so I mean, from a fantasy perspective, I might say Devontae Adams. I might say Tony Pollard. From a real life football, I think you could argue Daniel Jones should be the pick for this. About that too, yeah. I mean, the Giants have been so bad. Obviously, Jones also was injured, but before his injury, he was atrocious. And I feel like towards the tail end of last year, and especially the Giants, like winning a playoff game. Many Giants fans were like, all right, Daniel Jones is our guy. We found our quarterback. He might not be, like, the best quarterback in the league, but he's at least, like, top 15. And turns out he's one of the worst, or at least just wildly inconsistent. And at this point, the Giants are just looking at one of the top draft picks next year and will most likely be drafting a quarterback, I would expect, so... Yeah, I mean, it's not like we had huge expectations for him, but I think most people expect him to be competent. Yeah, if our expectation was competency, he did not meet it. Meet that expectation. That's really good. I I had him on my short list as well. Kyle, what are you going to go with? Um, I am gonna piggyback off a player Seth mentioned in in Tony Pollard. Uh, I honestly Mm -hmm. thought about tossing Bijan in here. 
Um, as the guy talked about, but yeah, exactly. That's the thing. And I kind of feel like we can say what's going on with Tony Pollard is a matchup coaching thing as well. So far this season, like they've been in some wild games so far. Like you got the 49ers game where they lost 42 to 10. You're not really going to ask him to be a running back in that kind of situation. They get up huge on the Patriots, 38-3. to You don't really need to do anything with Pollard. The same with the Giants in week one. And it's just like these really weird game scripts that I think end up on both sides of the curve, factoring out Pollard usage. But at the same time, his yards per attempt is down right uh, over or just about or just over a yard per carry. He's like scored those two touchdowns. What was that week one? And then after that, hasn't seen the end zone since. Honestly, I think he's looked good in the passing game. But the thing is, we had these really high expectations of him continuing to be utilized in like these outside type of zones. But really what they did was they shipped off Zeke and asked someone that was half the size of Zeke or even smaller to take on Zeke's role when it's like, that's not the best way that he's utilized. So it's like, what is, what's the coaching um, rationale behind that? I really don't know. Yeah, so I'm, I'm interested to see kind of how and if the rebound happens in the yeah. second half, because I feel like it should, but so far he's just been meh. I wonder if he's one of those players where it's like when you have a, a workhorse running back in there and he's the change of pace back, you're like, get the workhorse out of here. He's way more explosive. And I mean, then when he's he still to... like, you don't really need to be a change of pace back, though, to devise a, a scheme that gets even your starting running back in better positions. Like, you're asking a 200 pound, six foot running back to run through a line of, 360 pound lineman and it's like that's not his style that's not what he does yeah i just wonder if sometimes like smaller players like that you give them a bigger workload and it doesn't lead to greater the same efficiency as when they were a change of pace back we should also mention he he broke his leg last year yeah so (laughs) that's true part of it that certainly doesn't help things i imagine although he said in the offseason he was faster after breaking his leg clearly that's not true uh let's go to the positive seth give me your best team of the of the mid-season of the nfl i think i've got to say the eagles just I did overall well. body of work they've got the most unstoppable play in the league they've got one of the best quarterbacks um one of the best wide receiver duos and a really good defense so I feel like they're the most complete team. Do they have the highest ceiling? Maybe not. But overall body of work, what they've done so far this year, I think they have to be the choice. I if they, they don't have the highest team. ceiling, who yeah, who do you think does? I think the Bengals. So you on the Bills. Oh. The Bengals. It's interesting. That's an interesting one for sure. <laughs> that does I don't know if I agree going. with it, though. <laughs> Why do you say I think that? offensively. I think offensively, with Burrow, Chase, and Higgins, when they're humming, 
there's nobody in the league right now that I trust more to like have a game winning two minute drill. I feel like the, you could say the same. You could replace that with the Eagles and say the same thing, though. Hurts what AJ, AJ Brown Devontae. is doing this year is outrageous. Yeah, I'll just and, spoil it. I had him as my best player for the next award. AJ yeah, Brown. he was on my same. short list as well. And I mean, I'm not one to like. That's my stack in the ACT league, so I'm fully on board with Jalen and AJ. Um, I was just very impressed with what I saw from the Bengals last week. And I think if Burrow had been healthy the full season, like he is now, then we'd be talking about them in very similar ways. And I guess, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe it, it is unfair to say that they have the higher ceiling. Obviously, the Eagles showed it in the playoffs last year because they made it to the Super Bowl, but you know, the Bengals made the Super Bowl the year before, and I feel like I just have a lot of trust in Burrow. It's funny because I think of the Bengals as like maybe the fourth or fifth best team in the league, and they're last in their division right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're but, at five and three, but still, it's just funny to think of. Yeah, uh, and they could easily be seven and one if Burrow's healthy, you know. Yeah. I I like the Eagles a lot too, Seth. Um and I feel like they have the highest ceiling because they're eight and one and they haven't even played that well yet. I feel like there's just, I don't know if they've reached their peak yet, which is great. I mean, you don't want to be peaking until playoff time, but they, yet they're still eight and one. That shows you how dominant of a team they are on, on both ends and in the trenches. Kyle, who do you, who did you say? Do you said the Ravens, you sick man? Just another did. reason to talk about Todd Munkin. I did say the Ravens. <laughs> I, I feel like in a similar vein, right? They're not anywhere near their peak i think we're kind of they're starting to get in a groove offensively um i wish we continued to see the usage uh from zay flowers that we saw early in the year but they've kind of reeled him back as kind of a uh line of scrimmage and behind the line of scrimmage type receiver and ask him for yak instead of yards after the catch instead of that downfield threat where we saw him catch some 40, 50 yard passes early in the season. Um, but they've really gotten back into that groove of Mark Andrews is actually our number one target, which makes sense. Uh, he is an out. He's been one of the best tight ends in football since he's entered the league. So, but on the other side of the ball, I don't think there's Cleveland probably comes close, but, what the Ravens are doing defensively to teams is just such a scary sight to have to play them in, in the playoffs. It kind of lets Lamar and the offense take their foot off the gas a little bit and not have to really go hard. Um, so I'm, I'd be interested to see, cause I don't know if they've even really played like a, a game where they've had to kind of duel, duel it out with another team yeah. because because of that defense yeah they're very they're a very complete team for sure like we thought that kind of that what was going to happen in that lions game right because at at the time the lions had one of the top defenses in the nfl too and they just completely shredded the lions 38 to 6 defense completely suffocated them too and it's like outside of that i guess uh can you believe they lost to the colts 
<laughs> there's always like one or two losses during their regular season where it's like, what the hell happened that week? And of course they lost to the Steelers. No surprise yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, I like them a lot too, Kyle. They're I, I have like a tier in my mind's eye, a top tier of the Eagles, Ravens, uh, Bengals, and Chiefs. And then we'll see with the Niners coming out of the bye because they've been disappointing mm. of late. That's kind of where I'm at right now. And my Seahawks, obviously. Even after Bats. being trounced by the <laughs> by the Ravens. Uh all right. So me, me and Kyle, AJ Brown's the best player. I mean, you throw it up to him. He's triple covered. It doesn't matter. He's scoring. Uh Seth, who did you have as your best player? I mean, I think if we're just saying best player, I think Patrick Mahomes is still the best player in the league. Has Certainly elevates his, his supporting cast, right? Right. I mean, so I I think that's still the choice, but I guess as far as like who's been the best this year and maybe taking like kind of past performance out of it, I think AJ Brown has a good case. Obviously, we should mention Tyreek Hill mm-hmm, and what yeah. the Dolphins have done this year. Um defensively. Probably Miles Garrett. So I think any of them would have a case. Mike has been great too, Michael Parsons. Yeah, always. As always. Uh, all right, let's wrap it up. Our favorite moment of the first half of the NFL season. Mine's mine's a Minnesota Vikings moment, which damn right like it should have been Seth's, but new man friend... on the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, <laughs> Lizzo, is that you? <laughs> My favorite moment so far is just happened last week when Josh Jobs didn't practice with the team at all, came to the Minnesota Vikings after the trade deadline, had to go in the game because their starter was concussed, and won the game for them against Arthur Smith and his bitch ass, which was so satisfying. <laughs> so satisfying. <laughs> and Dobbs didn't know the plays or the players' full names and said it was like you take AP Spanish all year and then the test is for AP French. <laughs> He's still won the I mean, game. literally, the way it worked was the coach would call the plays into Dobbs's headset. He would repeat it, and then the wide receivers would have to tell him what that play meant. Yeah, and then he'd be like, "Oh, okay, so you're gonna go with it, okay?" And 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 then they ran it like how McVay ran it with um with uh, golf in. LA where it was essentially hurry up the rest of the game so they can get to the line of scrimmage and they could tell him more in the headset before right. the uh communications got cut off. Just wild. <laughs> only a awesome. only a um astronaut could do such a thing. It makes me wonder like is quarterback really that hard? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh <laughs> And certainly Kirk Cousins made it look hard. So I'm glad that... That's uh, not true. He was rolling, dude. I know we want to hate on Kirk Cousins. And I feel like ever since we had that discussion, shout out Ben at his bachelor party about (laughs) and named all the quarterbacks we thought was better than him, Kirk Cousins took that personally and had (laughs) put himself firmly in the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL after that day. I was accosted at the urinal at that party. (laughs) Okay. The fact that you ended up I'm, having that same conversation with a completely random group of people in the bathroom and then to walk out to the same conversation is another wild part of that night. Life-changing, I'll say. 
the thing about Kirk Cousins has never been does he put up stats. He's always put up stats. He always has looked good when it doesn't matter. It's just that he's unreliable and you can't trust him in big moments because when you need a third and seven to get into field goal range to win the game, he throws it six yards. <laughs> I love how Every we're time. supposed to be going talking about our favorite more in the NFL season. We have so, sat the anyways, classic my favorite friends. moment was the same as Sam. And it's wow. partially because I'm so excited to have Josh Dobbs on the team. But if I had to mention another moment just to add another thing in, and because I feel like we haven't talked about the Dolphins enough and for how fun mm. their season has been this year, I would just throw in the Dolphins put up 70 points. And you 70. had like two running backs have like the greatest fantasy day of all time on the same team. That was ridiculous. That was insane, dude. 70 points. Not 60. More. 70. 60. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was great. Kyle, right, what's your favorite mode of the season so far? It's going to be something that somehow proves his preseason predictions right. I don't even remember what the hell my preseason predictions were. <laughs> and I have them written down right in front of me still. Um, uh just because I have a terrible memory, I'm just going to say outside of that Josh Dobbs game this past weekend, also last week's games, Keenan Allen had one of the sickest catches I've ever seen for his, what was that, his thousandth career catch? Yeah. Where he caught it one-handed midair, essentially horizontal to the field, and then hauled it in, barrel rolled onto the ground, Four first down, it was wild. It was a wild catch, and for that to be his thousand career catch too. That was dirty. a nice moment. He's just aging like a fine wine. He These really guys, is. Him and Thielen doesn't matter if you're thirty. Just keep going. All right. Well, that's been the NBA and the NFL. I'd like to say, have you heard Josh Dobbs' new nickname? What is it? They're calling him the Pastronaut. <laughs> Oh my God. I love that. Seth, you're going to ride that man to a seventh seed and you're going to love it. Damn straight I am. I'm going <laughs> to the game this Sunday. Wow. Oh, yeah. Got free tickets from my mortgage loan officer. <laughs> They're 100 level, too. Should be nice. Uh -huh. Oh, you get to see Derek Carr in action. Tell me if you're disappointed. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for yet another whole home episode of Sportball. I feel like we gave it to people what they want, though. They're two favorite sports. Kyle, why don't you send the listeners home with something to to wet their whistle, to fall asleep to at night, like you do to Nas Reed's shooting splits? <laughs> Can I just pull those up and read those to the audience, too? Yeah, please. <laughs> All right, hold on one second. Didn't you already do, do like this? Yeah, that. I already did it, but, like, yeah, do it. I'm not going to do it again. fall asleep to it. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, bear, well, I'd like to say, if you are a fan of Chicago sports, I'm sorry for you anyways, but if you're more specifically a fan of the Chicago White Sox, we've lost the realest of them all today. Um, our announcer, Jason Benetti, who is probably one of the best announcers in all the sports, was cut loose by the White Sox today. He announced he's signing or going to announce games for the Detroit Tigers. Wow. Um, the Sox and ownership 
refuse to not only play the players, but pay the people that also entertain for the watchers that don't go to games because there's a lot of them. Um, it's absolutely atrocious what's going on in this city in regards to sports. I hope that my children are able to witness something better than what I've lived through. Besides those Blackhawks years, they are on the come up though. Connor Bedard is the truth. And this has been it from Chicago Sports Stogie, signing off. Enjoy your evenings.